Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. God, we thank you for uh, Hebrews chapter 11. For this text tonight, I thank you for these men and women and their journeying in the book of Hebrews and for their willingness to study your word and to grow closer to you in the process. We just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let me mute everybody because I'm mean. Okay. And all right. So watching the screen here, make sure no one is left out in the cold. We don't want that. And yeah, I, I want to encourage you. We're going to be talking about faith tonight. And I want to encourage you to be paying attention to a very, very smart man. And that man's name is Jordan Peterson. He is a Canadian psychiatrist. He is brilliantly smart. He is off the charts smart. He is, he is going through um, a crisis right now in terms of faith, theology, reason. And he is, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an atheist, but he's the kind of atheist that doesn't just throw God out where he listens and he reasons and he, he is the kind of guy that he is um, very much a moralist. He's very much into morality and he, he, he completely understands that morality stems from religion, that religion has really helped the world with morality and, and helped us to understand good and evil. And so he's not just throwing religion and God out like other atheists might. And so pay attention to him right now. Start looking on your YouTube for videos about Jordan Peterson and Jesus. And he's having a crisis of his soul right now. And I was watching a video the other day where he's talking about Jesus. And on the video, Jordan Peterson begins to cry. This is, might be uncharted territory, unprecedented. He's crying, talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus, the the fact that he was an historical being, but also there's a myth around Jesus that there's, there's he was there's he's not just a historical being, but there there's something built upon with just Jesus and in Jesus the two come together, and it doesn't ever happen very it very rarely happens. He, he's trying to process this, and you can just see the gears turning, and it, it's we might be seeing him as a Christian brother very soon. This will shock. The atheist world to the core. This is a major moment in gospel history in terms of delivering it to. Um, this is right up there with Paul speaking in Athens on the Areopagus, talking to all the, the the brilliant people in Athens. It's like that's who Jordan Peters. So if you don't know about Jordan Peterson, I encourage you start researching his story. I've got one of his books called Twelve Rules for Life. It's like that thick. Okay, it is a brilliant tome. Uh, this guy is just an absolute genius. But faith is starting to mean something. What we're going to talk about tonight are part of the things he's wrestling with. Where faith is not just something that is just out there. He may be coming to faith. He may be coming to He's seeing that Jesus is different than everybody else. And he's starting to respond to him major major awesome so i encourage you this this is going on right now 
do your research, look at these videos, check out these interviews. He gives interviews. Wow. Just pay attention to what's going on. This is a guy that many Christians would have written off many years ago and said, yeah, he'll, he'll never, he'll never. No, no, there's people in your life that, that, that you're praying for. There's people in your life you're giving the gospel to and they've rejected it or they discounted it. But hang on, stay faithful. There have been people in the, I'm sure in Jordan Peterson's life that have been praying for him. We pray for him. Continue to pray for the Jordan Petersons out there. What is faith? This is the text. If you ever had that question asked you, gosh, what's faith? Take them to Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. Here we go. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So faith is confidence in hope. We have confidence in what we hope for. So a Christian funeral, a Christian funeral is full of hope. Hope that we will see our loved one again if they are in Christ and we are in Christ. There's hope there. For some of us looking at our political world right now and shaking our heads, or we're looking at the world around us and seeing what's happening, or we're seeing this, we're seeing that, and we're just wondering, God, what is going on? We have hope that God knows what he's doing. We have hope that God will provide, that God and his gospel will prevail. There's a general hope that every Christian has, that death is not the end. A hope for the resurrection. Maybe some of you have hope that your sins will be forgiven. You don't feel like they are. You struggle with that. But you have hope that one day sin will be fully and finally dealt with. The war was won on the cross, but the battle still rage on. One day sin and death will be fully and finally defeated. Confidence and hope. That's what faith is. Faith is confidence. Assurance about what we do not see. It's kind of hard. Someone says, well, where's God? What do you answer there? Well, he's everywhere. You get all philosophical. Well, I can't limit God by saying he's there or he's there. Well, how do you know God's at work in your life? You can't see God. There's an assurance. There's an assurance that even though you can't see God, you see what he does. You see the kind of things he's able to do and only he is able to do. It's like the old song talked about, you can't see the wind, but you can see what the wind does. You can see how the wind blows or you can see how it does this or does that. Even though you can't see the actual wind, you can only see the, what the wind blows around. The assurance of that unseen, that unseen reality that Paul talks about in the armor of God passage, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, we can see flesh and blood. We can't see the, the, the spiritual realm. That we have a physical reality and a, and a spiritual reality. Faith in, embraces that. Faith says, I can't see that reality, but I still understand that it exists. So I can believe in God, even though I can't see God. How big was it when the word became flesh? When you actually could see God. And finally taking God at his word by faith, we understand the universe is formed at God's command. Pretty much every theist would understand that. 
even if you're a big bang person, even if you are a theistic evolution kind of person, you would say, okay, well, it makes sense that God commanded it. Okay. So that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. That's actually huge. That's miracle territory. You can't make things out of nothing. You have to have something. Even if you take the Big Bang, you go as far back as you can. You had to have those infinitesimally small particles to explode. We read in Genesis, in the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, God at a bunch of matter, a bunch of Play-Doh or a bunch of that God was going to form. No, just God. You see, that's taking God at his word. That's saying how God says things, I'm going to believe what God says. And I'm going to trust what God says. I'm going to have confidence in what God says. I'm going to hope in what God says. I'm going to be assured, have assurance of what God says. That's faith. And a faith with teeth, like I like to say, is believing that when life is at its hardest. When you're really getting worked over. When having faith doesn't make any sense. And all you have is your faith. That's a faith with teeth. Sandy texts in, why, why can we believe God for the big things, like that he created the heavens and the earth, but sometimes not believe that he can take care of these small things? He is infinite. He is somehow, is he somehow unable to care for the infinitesimal? Amen. Yeah, don't fall into the trap. This is, well, God just handles the big things. He can't handle the small things. So I'll just trust God with the huge things like my salvation, but I can't trust him with my day-to-day -day life. No, he's the God of the big and the small. Meg texted him, my old Sunday school used to say, I believe in the big bang. I just want to know who pulled the trigger. Nice. Yeah. That's faith. If you ever want to look at what faith is, go to those three verses. It's a confidence and hope. It's an assurance of the unseen. It's taking God at his word. That's the last thing is what it is. You're reading God's words and God, I, I don't like what I'm reading, but I'm going to take what, sometimes you read God's word and you're like, oh gosh, this really convicts me. I want to reject it now. Our culture likes to do that. Things that get underneath the skin of our culture, our culture just rejects. Or how do they put it? They cancel. You can't cancel God. You can't cancel culture God's word. It can't happen. God's word is going to kick your rear end. It is going to stick in your craw. It is going to ruffle your feathers. God's word convicts. It doesn't massage. It leads you to repentance. That sometimes hurts. Randy takes it in. There's a passage in Colossians that says he holds everything together. I take it to mean each atom, each quark is held together by his hand, by his will. And he sustains all things. He is the Lord of scale from quarks to quasars. Thanks, Randy. Yeah, by all, by all things. So we, by definition, then, you have to extrapolate as they're literally nailing the, 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 the nails in a Jesus' hand on the cross, his, his, in, his, in his flesh on the cross. We could imagine the Son of God literally upholding that person and allowing oxygen to flow through his lungs into his blood to keep him going as he physically kills Jesus on that cross. I mean, he's holding everything together. I mean, you can take that as far as you want, but yes, he sustains. So we have before Abraham, Abraham is the star of this text tonight in terms of the text itself. God is obviously the star of, of the Bible, but Abraham is the focus. 
And so Abraham is the paragon of faith. He's the number one guy that you look to for faith. He's all over the New Testament, pointing back to Abraham. And in the Old Testament, everyone looks at Abraham. We got before Abraham, we got two Abraham one, an interlude, Abraham two, after Abraham, and a conclusion. Let's get to Abraham. No, before Abraham. What's my problem? Before Abraham, four to seven. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Don't overthink that. By faith. For some reason, Abel's display involved faith. And faith is trust. What is faith? We go back to the, the top there. Cable, or Cable, Cain was having a, a crisis in his heart. Because the very next thing in that verse is God coming after him saying, hey, what's going on with your heart? Sin is right there. It's crouching there. It's going to get you. Be careful. you got to master that. So, so Cain was already having things going on in his heart. Whereas Abel is coming for worship and faith. So by faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commanded as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Yeah, and God, God's already said that his blood's crying out to him. And Abel represents many of the martyrs. He was the first martyr that are one day looking for that vindication. Even so much we get into Revelation where they're at the foot of the altar. They're going, well, how long, O Lord, before we're vindicated? By faith, his blood still speaks even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And you're thinking to yourself, well, isn't that grand? He pleased God. Wow, how nice. But verse six kicked your rear end. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's what Jordan Peterson is going through. Does God exist? If the answer is yes, then what comes next? He must therefore be the basis of morality. He then gets to decide what is good and what is evil. And if he gets to decide that, then I have to follow that because I know that he is God and I am not. And if I have to answer to this God on his standards of moral good and moral evil, then now my faith is either being expressed or it's not being expressed. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you're seeking after God with a heart that wants to seek after God, you are going to find God. If you're seeking after him for something else, good luck with that. So you ask those questions, what about the person who grows up on that deserted island that never gets to hear anything about blah, 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 blah. Um, he looks at the natural world around him and he says, wait a minute, this didn't just happen. The natural world, Romans tells us, is that it points to God. The design of this world points to a designer. So, believe God exists and earnestly seek him. That's how you have faith that pleases God in that scenario. I love verse 6. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. Remember, faith is, is the evidence of things unseen. Not yet seen. How far away was he living from the ocean? He's building a boat that is vastly too big for his family. It's not even raining. And he's going to fill it with what? Animals? Could you imagine the kind of crap he had, people were giving him? Could you imagine people tossing bombs and him going, what an idiot. Maybe they were calling him Nutty Noah. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not seen, he took God at face value, didn't he? Even though it was, it was crazy talk. 
in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Dude was afraid. He had fear. Wow. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. In keeping with faith. Yeah, his very, it's kind of like in, 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 in Romans when it talks about forgiving. And when you forgive others, you heap burning coals on their head. It's like his faithfulness condemned everyone else's unfaithful. He was that light shining in the darkness, and the light got saved. The darkness did not, by definition. And so his faithfulness was just like a condemnation on everybody else. Wow. That's before Abraham. What about Abraham? 8 to 12. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. That wasn't small, by the way. You think about the things he gave up. Some of you don't want to change your cell phone plan because you're freaked out about security. I don't want to lose my number. I don't want to. This guy literally took God who he didn't even know at his word. Him, his, Abram's dad was a polytheistic idol worshiper. He had no time for Israel. There was no Israel. He didn't say Israel's God. He packed up and went. Wow. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Mic drop. That's a great prayer line. God, I'm struggling right now, but I'm looking for that city that's coming, whose architect and builder is you. Yeah. And by faith, even Sarah, who is past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand on the seashore. Abraham, his faith showed obedience when obedience made no sense. It had perspective when his life got really odd and really weird, it was really, you know, all these years are going by and nothing's happening and he's worried. He's looking at eternity. He's looking at, is that hope right there? A confidence and hope, assurance of the unseen, taking God at his word. He looked beyond. He wasn't so focused on the here and now that he got sidetracked and he trusted God. He just trusted God. That is so huge. Your life sometimes really stinks. You've got one choice. Trust. Trust that God is God, that he's got this. Trust that God is also good. That his plan is not only perfect, but best. And follow him. Interlude 13 to 16. And Mick texted in, the words by faith appeared 19 times. Told you, it's the faith chapter. Thanks, Mick. Interlude 13 to 16. All these people were still living by faith when they died. So just in case any of you were going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But these are the heroes. These are the ones that God literally spoke to. These are the ones that had it easier than me because they don't. I don't have the supernatural things that they have. I mean, come on. It's, I would be able to make those choices like they did if I had their situation. Oh, please. You have a bad day, and your temptation sometimes is to throw it in the towel. You have a bad season. It's like, 
you would do that? You would do the kind of things that they did when they had no assurance except God said do it? I mean, come on. This is not something you can just toss off. So the verses aren't going to let us off the hook here. Here we go. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Oh. Yeah. Abraham died before he got to see all the sands on the seashore being his extended family. He died. He didn't get it. He didn't get it like you would expect him to get it, to receive it. They did not receive the things promised. If ever you're frustrated in your faith, if ever you're looking at God and go, God, what is your deal? God, I'm waiting for my greener pastures. God, why aren't you providing? God, God, why am I still having to go through this when you promise to deliver me? When you promise these things, God, why am I still struggling? Just tell yourself, you're not Abraham. You're getting some blessings. Abraham got, he didn't get any of it. He died. He died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Now, by faith, they saw them. I don't know how that looked. I don't know if it was like some kind of a vision. I don't know if it was just by faith. He's like, oh, but I know God's got this and God's going to provide this. I know what's going to happen. And so I'm going to wave at that thing because I know that God's going to provide it, even though I ain't going to have it. Even though it's not going to be me that gets to cash that check. It's not going to be me that's going to eat that food on my plate, but someone down the line's going to. I'm just going to wave at it. I'm going to salute it. I'm going to say, yep, God, I see it. I know you're faithful. That's faith the teeth because they didn't get to have it, did they? That hurts. There's things that you're praying for. You need, you are longing for these things. You wish to be delivered. You wish to be, whatever they are. And you haven't received it yet. And it's really tempting to say, God, how dare you? Put yourself with Abraham right there. Abraham still accepted it. He saluted that thing. He saw it even though he didn't actually get to heaven on this earth. They did not receive the things. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on the earth, admitting that heaven is their home, not earth is their home. I don't care, Christian, what your driver's license or passport says. Your citizenship is in heaven. Earth is not your home. The here and now is not what's most important. They admitted they were foreigners and strangers on this earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he's prepared a city for them. And just in case you're saying to yourself, maybe God's ashamed to be called my God or your God. Where's your longing? See this interlude here. They, they got, they didn't receive. They admitted they were just aliens and strangers on this earth. Journeying towards heaven. What were they looking for? What were they longing for? What are you looking for? What are you longing for?
Is it the same thing that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were looking for? Sarah, longing for? It behooves you to have what you're looking for and what you're longing for be of that same quality. Sandy text, they modeled faith for us. We have even more reason to have faith because of Jesus and what he has accomplished for us on the cross. We see the receipt that says paid in full. Amen. Jesus said in John that Abraham saw his day and was glad. I think we see a, a flavor of that right here in Hebrews 11. That Abraham saw, saluted it, embraced it from afar, waved at it, said, yeah, you go, God. I ain't going to see it. I'm going to be long dead. But you go, God. I know what you're doing, God. Yeah, you do your thing, God. I love it. You're faithful. You're wonderful. Go, God, go. G-O-G-O. -O. Yes. Mick says, Abraham believed God and would give him, give him ancestors as numerous as the stars, and we got to see his fulfillment. Yeah, we're the one that's blessed. Amen. So this interlude, what are you looking for and longing for? Even though you haven't yet received certain things in. What you have received, by the way, Christian, blows out of the water the things you haven't received. So if you ever you feel like your life is rotten, just remember what you've received in Christ. That right there wins over what you've not received. I mean, right there. What have you received? Okay, I'm done. I'm still looking for heaven. I'm still longing. But you know what? Boom. It's like I, what I've received in Christ trumps everything else completely. Abraham 2, 11, 17 and 19. Boom. Here we go. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. This is good stuff, by the way. He who had embraced the promises that were, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. This has baffled people. Why would God do this? Why would God test Abraham that way? He was what, 100 years old, right around there, and they finally were able to con conceive a kid? Let's not talk about... Um, sexuality or sex here. I'm just trying to picture very old and very old and a womb that is in long dead, but now alive again. And now this very, very old woman is carrying the term. And, and I'm just, this is a miracle here. And now God's saying, kill, sacrifice that son, that one and only son. Gosh, that sounds like John 3.16. It's supposed to. Why, God? That makes no sense, God. God, thank you for this next verse. 19. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a matter of speaking, he did re receive Isaac back from death. Well, that tells me what Abraham is going through. He's saying he took God at his word. That this boy that God told him to sacrifice, that he was going to be the promised one. And that God was going to have a new, the, the descendants come through him. So he's saying, okay, God, you want me to sacrifice him? You're God. Fine, I'll do it. You're going to bring him back to life because you keep your word. And your word is that Isaac is the one. Now, we don't get that in Genesis. But the Holy Spirit did us a solid, didn't he? 
by giving us this word right here in Hebrews 11. Now we get to see what's going on with Abraham. Abraham is reasoning, hey, you know what, God, you want me to kill him? I don't want to do it. He's my boy. I love him. But if that's what you're telling me to do, I've got faith that you still can accomplish what you're going to accomplish, even though this makes it an impossibility. You just bring him back to life. Wow. I mean, that's so silly and stupid, but that's right there. Why would God do that? I don't know. Why is God leading you through your trial right now? What is God teaching you through this really, really hard season that you're in? Have a faith like Abraham that says, you know what, God, I'm going to take you at your word. That you're going to provide. That you're still good. Even when it doesn't make a lick of sense. You've got this. Wow. He offered, he embraced, and he reasoned. Faith is a thing of reason as well. For too many people, faith is a matter of the heart. I'm tired of that. Your heart's going to lead you astray. Make it a matter of your thoughts, your reason. That's where Jordan Peterson is at right now. It's a faith that says he's in his mind and his reason, his convictions. Emotional stuff comes later. Our faith is a thinking faith. After Abraham 20 to 31, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. Remember the younger, the older is going to serve the younger, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he blessed, he gave the blessing to who? Not Manasseh, but Ephraim. Who, is it, who are the northern tribes going to be called poetically in the Old Testament? Ephraim. It's like they're the one that's going to have the future. He worshiped as he, leaned, as he leaned on the top of his staff, right there. He's in hospice care. And even at the end, he was doing his duties as the patriarch. He was worshiping God. Mm. Make text it in. Abraham believed God would give him ancestors as numerous as the stars. Yet we got to see his fulfillment. Amen. I think I already read that. Make text it again. More often than not, faith is a long game dimension. Yeah, the short game is too short. And that's just, I know that's cheesy, but think of the long game with God. Think of eternity. Think of the, the, the seasons of your life and what God is doing. Don't just focus on the here and now. You're not getting what you want. So you turn into a petulant two-year-old and you start throwing a fit with God. Like, hold on. Start painting your painting with broad strokes, not just little tiny little strokes. Start looking at your life through a broad stroke lens. Sandy takes it in. As Christians, the only way to have faith in an infinite God is to let go of a finite understanding. God doesn't have to fit our rules and constructs. If he did, he wouldn't be God. Only an infinite God is worthy of worship. Yeah, God only has to fit his, his rules and his constructs. So if, if, if there's something that God can't do, it's based upon his character and, and logic based upon that character. So a God who claims to be truth, therefore, cannot lie. That is something God can't do. If he claims to be the truth, he cannot be representing lies, for example. Amen. Let's keep going. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Yeah, that same Joseph. 
whose magnum opus was to get Israel to Egypt so they could be saved and fed and have a hope and a future. He's talking about one day they're going to leave. And by the way, take his bones. By faith, that's faith right there. That was going to be 400 stinking years of Egypt. Wow. Confidence and hope, assurance of the unseen, taking God at his word. Wow. By faith, Moses' parents, I believe they're Amram and Yochebed, hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. Now, some translations say because he was a good-looking kid. No, that, that's, that's missing the point. He probably was. Who knows? But he's no ordinary child. By faith, they recognize this child is different. This child has, in our kind of comic book world, we would say destiny. They saw that. We didn't get that from Exodus. We're getting that right here. By faith, they hid him for three months after he was born. Because they saw he was no ordinary child, they were not afraid of the king's edict. Wow. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Oh, the fleeting pleasures of sin versus even harder choices. Choosing thy will versus my will. That sin and temptation 101 right there, life of Moses. I mean, he's choosing that kingdom that's coming versus my own little pleasurable kingdom right now. Wow. <sighs> he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Wow. In his case, a burning bush. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. You know, the application of blood, you know, okay, the Passover lamb spread the blood over the lentils of the door frame, that kind of stuff. Okay, he did that. It didn't make any sense, but he did it. Kill a, kill a lamb and spread the blood over your doorway? Seriously? Yeah, seriously, because God said do it. And so I'm going to do it. And that takes faith. As you listen to the angel of death whirling about outside and you hear the screams and you wonder, is it going to be me? I'm a firstborn. Would I have been terrified? I don't know. I can tell you, though, the next morning I'd be thankful for that blood. And that preaches. Are you Christ, our Passover lamb? Are you thankful for that blood? Because that blood is not yours. It is in your place. By faith, the people pass through the Red Sea on dry land. And I don't care if it's the Sea of Reeds and not the Red Sea. Sea doesn't dry up so you can walk on it. 
miraculously like it does. I have some texture, I gotta get on them. Mick texted in, we need these reminders and precedents to give us motivation to endure and persevere. Yes, and they did too in Hebrews, in the author of Hebrews' original audience. They needed this. Based on the testimony of scripture and the evidence of history, we Christians have all we need to believe. As Abraham told the rich man in a parable, all that his relatives needed was Moses and the prophets, a.k.a. scripture. This is the parable of the rich man of Lazarus, okay, and from Jesus. Uh, immediate satisfaction and the spectacular are no substitute for faith. Amen. And that's not a small line that Mick just gave us. Immediate satisfaction in the spectacular, no substitute for faith. Remember, faith is confidence and hope, assurance of the unseen. While all else has a spectacular things going on in their life, and you're tempted to say, well, gosh, they have it better than me. Gosh, look what they're seeing and look what they're doing. And I'm sitting here holding on to this faith of an unseen thing. And I'm just holding on to hope that I did. All I have is my hope. And everyone else has its flashy bells and whistles and that kind of stuff. And all I've got is that. Is that enough? If you're like the characters in Hebrews chapter 11, yes, that is enough. Remember, they never got, they never received it. They could just wave at it. Wow. Waving at your day, Christian, and what you have received. I love Isaiah 12. With joy, we will draw from the wells of salvation. Isaiah's picturing a day because he doesn't have it yet. Like you're going to draw the Holy Spirit like the well, the, the daily water. He's looking at that day and going, wow, and that's like Tuesday for us. Hey, come on, what have we received? Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. The faith has nothing to do with the walls, but by faith, the, wall, the walls didn't have faith is what I'm saying, but by faith, they fell. It makes no sense. You're going to walk around the walls and they fall down, especially for a city known for its walls. Hmm. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Yeah. She trusted a God that wasn't even her God. She's more, she's more like Abraham than many people are like Abraham. And she was welcomed into the family. And if you take God's word literally, her boy was Boaz. That Boaz. I'm just saying. What more shall I say? After Abraham has a pre-Egypt and Egypt and a post-Egypt, but what, what more shall I say? Let me bring the screen down here. So I can try to. Here we go. 32 to 40. This is where that... <laughs> In heaven one day, I, I have no bone to pick with the author of Hebrews. I'd like to know who this person is. But I, as, as someone who loves teaching the Old Testament, I wish he would have gone on here. He says, what more do I, shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, or Jephthah. Okay, pause. We just went through judges. You just heard me talk for hours about those cats. I wish the author of Hebrews would have at them for a bit. And say, so, you know what, this Gideon, boy, the Barak, oh, please. Samson, whatever. Jephthah, how did that vow go, Jephthah? Yeah, that's faith. Seriously? 
he brings up them. He could have brought up, I don't know, Ehud, Othniel. He could have brought up Daniel. He could have brought up any of these Old Testament. He brings up these guys. Yes. And I'm so glad he did. Because these guys that I like to poke at, they're all me. They're you. You see, Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, they had about as much faith as his little cup. Nothing to write home about. You read their stories, and you're like, golly. But God uses what's there. God is not limited by the faithlessness of some. God is able to use you and me. It actually comforts me that a Jephthah or a Gideon, who I've spoken against many a times, it comforts me that they're in the Hall of Fame chapter of Hebrews. It gives hope for me in my struggles. God didn't give up on them, did he? He used them mightily. He uses you and me too. Yeah, they're the B team. Thanks, Megan. They still highlight God's awesomeness. Yeah, they do. If everybody was like Abraham, they all of a sudden God looks a little bit less. But you know what? You get a Jephthah or a Gideon or a Barak or a Samson. Oh, gosh, a Samson? Yeah, that just shows how awesome God is. Oh, Mick says, if God uses the A team and the B team, it gives hope for the Z team or Z listers like him. Well, Mick, I wouldn't say you're the Z team, but... I sometimes feel like I'm maybe like the X or the Y. Uh, that's that's me. Let's finish this out. He has no time to talk about David and Samuel and the prophets. Yeah, why won't you talk about them? Please. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised? Hold on now. Abraham just got to wave. He didn't get to gain it, did he? These guys got to gain it, didn't they? Who shut the mouths of lions? Oh, there's Daniel. Quench the fury of the flames. Ah, yes. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Whoever that fourth thing was, person was, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. Guess what? You made the Bible. There it is. That's my story, too. My weakness is God's strength. Second Corinthians. Mm. Who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released. They might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. Yeah, some of you don't like to be argued with on Facebook. You know nothing. These, these jeers and flogging. Flogging. That whip that, that almost ended Jesus' life before the cross. That flogging. Wow. They were put to death by stoning. Well, that would be that would be Stephen as well. They were sawed in two. Tradition says Isaiah was sawed in two. You ain't been killed. You've been sawed in freaking two. Man. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated.
I love verse 38. The world was not worthy of them. It's a natural question. Is the world worthy of you? Mic drop. The world was not worthy of them. Wow. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Yeah. Great things were accomplished, but it didn't lead to an easy life. That's why their faith had teeth. Yeah. Mick texted and we call this chapter the goal, the touchdown, the home run of faith. Amen. Verse 39, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us. So that only together with us would they be made perfect or complete. Wow. Now, the author of Hebrews, his original church audience, they needed to hear that. History is waiting for God's plan to be complete. Now, I've heard commentators argue that in the intermediate state, as in the time between your death and whatever eternity looks like. In the Old Testament, there's a time of the grave, and Jesus told the, uh, the, the way this argument goes, Jesus told the thief on the cross, I'll be with you in paradise. But that's kind of like the, the describing the porch of heaven, like Hades would be the porch of hell. And that, we're, that this argument says that they're all waiting there for that number to be complete and that together we all go to heaven. It's a great image. I kind of like what that commentator has to say. You can't exactly prove it, but it's nice. There's something about our stories and what God is still doing at work in us. Only together with us would all that be complete. Don't you ever look at this chapter and go, well, I'm not them. I barely feel like I belong on the same page reading this chapter, let alone trying to identify with these people. No. They're looking at our day. They're looking at what God is doing now in our story for his glory. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us. What's better for us? Jesus. Yeah, that's a start. That's a start. Yeah, it is. Something better for us. They just got to wave at it. We're baptized in it. I mean, hello. It's like, that gets to be our story. Our story is looking at that day. Our story is redeemed. Sin no longer the final chapter of our book. And that not just is something that we get to believe will one day happen. You just wave at it. It's our story now. We actually get to live it. The power of the Holy Spirit. What they just got to wave at, we get to live. And there's some things that we kind of wave at. 
and we look at that one day is going to be fully and finally realized, but not yet. But we continue with hope, with our confidence, our assurance, even though we don't see it. Taking God at his word. There's a tension there. But it's resolved in Christ. I close with an acronym. You like my acronyms. F-A-I-T-H, faith. Your faith needs to be full. None of this partial nonsense. Yeah, it's, we live in the AD, the year of our Lord. Thank you, Mick. We live in an amazing time in salvation history. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Your faith needs to have a full quality. No, none of this partial stuff. You're in it to win it. Go for it. Have a faith that actually is a faith. Don't just trust God, this, this mealy mouth, kind of like, well, if everything works out, then I got faith. No, just count on it not working out for a good long while. Life is going to suck, especially when you have faith. The world is not, is not going to be your friend. And if the world is your friend, you're wrong. You're not living a faith. You're living you. So there needs to be a fullness to your faith. That even when life is horrible, you have faith, the teeth, active, this passive nonsense. Your faith better change you. Ask Noah about an active faith. If he didn't have an active faith, we wouldn't be talking about it, would we? His faith, then he started hammering. Go for Barky, Barky. He's hammering that stuff. The Lord said to Noah, you got to build an arky, arky. So Noah got busy, didn't he? Noah, some 100-year-old dude, and his boys building something that didn't make any sense at all. Faith is active. It's like love is a verb. Well, guess what? Faith is active. Intellectual. We already talked about this. Why do you think that John says, so that you may know? You need to know our faith is a very intellectual faith. It has to be. It makes no logical sense that something can come from nothing. And that's the very first idea in our chapter. God, you did that. Hmm. I kind of have to take you at your word for that. Like you hear someone tell a story. And so it's a weird story. You kind of say, well, I guess you had to be there for that one. Well, yeah, this is creation. God was there. Nobody else was, by the way. Yet everyone has an opinion. But God, he claimed to be there. He claimed to be a part of that whole thing. Creation ex nihilo. Creation from nothing. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's, it, our faith is an intellectual faith. If you have a faith that's just on your heart, and we do this with kids, invite Jesus into your heart, but we're not talking about your cardia, your cardiology, your, your physical heart. We're not talking about that because that's weird. Okay, well, Jesus is in my aorta going into my ventricle. And he's you know, over here. And no, 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 not, not your physical, you know, heart. No, 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 no. We're talking about like a spiritual heart. You're inside. But a heart in more of the Old Testament sense, like your seat of convictions. Seat of your intellect. The Old Testament heart. That is your intellect. It's not like, okay, I'm going to make a valentine and I'm going to say XOXO. I'm going to give it to the one I think is pretty dandy. And I'm going to look at that. You have my heart. 
No, that's not what it means. You're inviting Jesus to actually rule over your convictions and actually guide you and actually be the guiding principle of your life. That's where Jordan Peterson is right now. He's struggling with that. And it's bringing him to tears. The realizations he's coming to as God continuously works on him and pounds away at whatever he has constructed around his heart. A trusting faith. If faith doesn't trust, it's not faith. Faith and trust are the same word. Pistuo. Pistis in Greek. To be faithful is to trust. To have trust is to be a person of faith. You can't have one without the other. And the H was a little cheesy. Let's have at it. I wanted to put hope, but you know what? Let's do heavenward. This fits. This fits. Heavenward fits. Remember they're waving? He didn't, he only got to see it and wave at it. He didn't get to accomplish it. We are but aliens and strangers, sojourners. This is not our home. Heaven is. Our faith is full. Our faith is active. Our faith is an intellectual faith. It is a trusting faith and a heavenward faith. Having faith means you're heading somewhere. We're not there yet. But we journey on with confidence and assurance. Taking God at his word. That's the kind of faith the ancients were commended for. That's the faith that you are commended for. We join our stories with their stories. And we look forward to seeing what that fully and finally means. As we continue on with chapter 12 next week. Nice text tonight. Thanks for letting me share.